1: Welcome to another edition of Cabin Country. Give us the time and we'll take you out of the traffic and away from the levee. Let's find the place where the loons call out among the moonlit waves, where the wind sighs among the Norway pines. Pull up a dock chair, have a sip of your coffee, and get a line in the water. This is Cabin Country. Now here's Bjorn Lloydstedt, and I'm Fudd Klugman with another woodland escape.
0: All right. Well, ladies and gentlemen, this is Bjorn Lloyd-Stad with Fudd Klugman. Hey there, folks. Hey, hey. And welcome back to Season 2. We're uh, referring to this as the start of Season 2 with Cabin Country. We're glad to have you back, and and glad to have you back in a dock chair. And hopefully your coffee cup is topped off. I know mine is. Fudd? Yes, good and hot. Strong. Absolutely. Strong. strong. If it's not strong, what good is it? (laughs) We're lucky enough tonight to be joined by Mike Leon, who is a Cabin Country expert. Uh... Author of a couple different books and um, master naturalist. Maybe, mm-hmm. Mike, you want to chime in on some of the other titles you've
2: okay, been known uh, yeah. to hold.
3: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Glad to be here,
2: guys. And uh, this is a pretty comfortable chair. It's just kind of like the one I think I made for my doc. I but love it. Yeah, I'm uh, author of two books, uh, Firewood Happens, Life, Liberty, and the Pursuit of Happiness in Minnesota's Northwoods. How's that for original? I love it. Yeah. I Beautiful. Love and, it. and also, uh, this just this last year, Down on the Dock, uh, more stories of the good life in Minnesota's Northwoods. Absolutely. Uh, I'm also the author. I've probably had published some 50 articles in 20 or 25 different uh, magazines and periodicals, anthologies, things like that. Mainly about life at the cabin, life the, the good life in the Northwoods and well, stuff. A little bit nice. else, cooking, travel, but, but a, lot of, uh,
0: a lot of your type of stuff. Right, right. Well, Excellent. Great to have you here. And I'm curious now, Mike, you started in by telling us a little bit earlier, you, you did a lot of this building of the, of the cabin itself, the, the hallowed spot. You did it on your own with some help from some friends. How did that come about?
2: Well, uh, my wife and I had been uh, vacationing in this area, actually I had, since I was a little kid, you know, similar story to a lot of Minnesotans. Saw the prices of land going up pretty steep, so we decided it was time to buy our own little piece of heaven. We bought five acres, undeveloped, uh, of uh, big, strong woods on a small natural environment lake and just started from scratch. Uh, Trying to do it the old-fashioned way, the cheap way, and also create our own problems, not buy into somebody
0: else's. <laughs> so. You'd know the problems firsthand because you made them yourself. Uh, yep. Without a doubt. Now, when you say uh, the, the strong woods, what are we seeing as, as the types of trees that are around your plate? Okay,
2: yeah, the, the realtors would, would uh, refer to our lot as a heavily wooded lot. Uh, we've got, uh, one of the things that sold us on the lot was We've got seven big Norway pines that kind of step up up the hillside from the lake. So really kind of a Norse woodsy feel there. Mm -hmm. But the the rest of the lot is a real nice mixture of basswood and uh, uh, some really nice oaks, aspen trees, that type of thing. Really nice mixture of stuff and fairly mature, nice big stuff.
0: Some nice colors when
2: when the fall hits. Extremely pretty. Oh, wow. Absolutely.
1: Mike, you were telling me earlier that uh, there were some stipulations that the location of the the property had to have.
2: One of the main things we were looking for is uh, I'm a hunter, unabashedly proud of being that. I've been... Hunting since uh, I got my first BB gun at the age of five and didn't shoot my eye out. <laughs> I think I had a Labrador Retriever before then, too. Probably got him for my fourth birthday. Didn't shoot his eye out. So. Not, no, but Even well, th- there's a few stories there, but let's <laughs> let's not go there right away. Right. Well, let's get there eventually. Uh, so we were looking for a, a lake and a piece of land with uh, a lot of public land around it. Some place where I could walk out of the cabin door with a gun in my hand and not offend people or sure. make them feel safe or, or, or what have you. I could be hunting. So we're right on the edge of the Paul Bunyan State Forest which is not sure how big it actually is but it's I think it's you know hundreds of thousands of acres probably uh, just, and we're right on the edge of it so I can I can walk out the door and, and be hunting Also, I can hunt ducks out in the lake. I'm a big waterfall hunter. I really (laughs) love that uh, late October day with the snowflakes coming down and the bluebills and the diving ducks coming into the decoys. Mm -hmm. Actually hunted during the uh, Halloween blizzard back in the 90s. Oh, really? One of the biggest uh, thrills of of, of a waterfaller's life, and I lived through it. Wow. (laughs) uh, So we also wanted a lake, though, that we could uh, fish in. I'm a big-time fisherman. Didn't have to have walleyes. I'm not much of a walleye fisherman. I just don't like to work that hard. <laughs> but you know, the typical Northerns love trolling for Northerns with the old red and white daredevil. So absolutely, I had to have them in it. And we wanted a dock where we could swim and fish right off the dock. Sure. So, uh huh. We found pretty much all lows in this lot besides five acres. So we have a nice chunk. It has a little elevation from the, the lake, as they say, but uh, so far it's kept the knees pretty strong and it's working out good. That's good. And I gotta
0: ask too, kind of a cabin, cabin traditionally. Do you have a, do you have the tree that's hanging over the lake that you can put the tire swing in?
2: Uh, we we used to, but it fell down. Uh-oh. But there's one across the lake we call the leaning tree where we could do that if we wanted.
0: Okay, to, so. all right. And I'm just curious, as a guy, I grew up going to a lake on a chain that was huge, and every square foot of that was developed. Um, by about the '80s, do you have neighbors real close to you, or it sounds like you own quite a bit of acreage there, so maybe maybe you don't not elbow to elbow with people.
2: Uh, not really. We have uh, our lot is it's 200 feet wide, so it's it's a nice wide, and it's really rolling elevation in that part of the the country and everything too. So we're really screened from one neighbor. Uh, the, the other the closest neighbor, uh, about 200 feet away, is. Like a best friend. Okay. And we've, we've kept the trees in between our houses, too, or our cabins. So Sure. you really don't, in the summer, you can hardly tell that, that Tom is over there. Right. <laughs> and and Unless we want to have a beer on the deck or the sure. dock or
3: something.
2: Sure. Uh, and so there's a few other neighbors, but the, the lake itself has a lot of public land on it, too, including a bunch of islands. So you, you if you want to, on a uh, weekday in the summer, you can pretend you're in the boundary waters.
1: Wow. Very, very nice. <laughs> Well, you know, speaking of that, that sounds kind of private, and if I remember uh, looking through book number two of yours, uh, there was a chapter about, uh, well, swimming, as you mentioned, was an important part of the lake you wanted to find, and uh, I I was wondering if you could share, I I enjoyed the drawing that I saw on that chapter, and I'll let you describe what takes place in that chapter. This is uh, about swimming off the dock. Right, it's it's uh, actually the chapter
2: that that book is named for, Down on the Dock, and it's about, uh, on early morning I go down to the dock to just wash my hair, and I I decided it's such a nice day, that nice morning, it would really be nice to take a full full swim, but I forgot my swimsuit. <laughs> so what do you do there's one cabin that maybe can see my dock, and are they up that early in the morning or not and would they be offended even if they did uh, <laughs> some of those difficult decisions with cabin life
1: yes. ah, absolutely. do they have binoculars uh, <laughs> uh, they respecting the privacy yeah. right. do they watch
2: us like we watch them yeah. you know? <laughs> yeah. well I suppose
1: we can assume we're Always watching each other. You know? Always assume they are, <laughs> without a doubt. But they'll be too polite to say so. I
2: gotta ask, Mike. Did you go in? Uh, you know, I I hate to admit the uh, you know indiscretions, like that, but, uh, <laughs> but the pictures that that uh, illustrates it in the book uh, is uh, is a fun one. Okay. Uh, it yes. took a, it was very hard to
1: pose for. Okay. <laughs> So, folks, you're going to, have to, uh, you're going to have to... Buy your own copy. Buy the copy and to see what out. I'm Did talking about. Did he or about. didn't he? Absolutely. <laughs> Nothing too racy here, but... Uh, <laughs> Nothing enough.
0: that will get a good Norwegian grandmother blushing. <laughs> well,
2: Actually, a lot of the ladies I deal with at bookstores and gift shops would handled the books. That's when my marketing employee, i I'd say, you know, one of the hard <laughs> things of writing my second book was posing for the pictures. And I <laughs> I open it to that thing, and... Uh, Laughter every time. Oh, that's <laughs> <big>. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Which could be a good thing or, or
1: not. I'm not sure.
2: Well, well, I hadn't uh, thought that angle of it, <laughs> Bjorn.
0: <laughs>
1: uh, it's outstanding. I just was, now, now you have, how far do we get into the, that you built the cabin yourself with some help?
2: I did uh, some construction. I grew up on the farm and did some stuff there. But mm-hmm. also during college, I, I uh, worked in construction, both carpentry and cement construction. And so I, I had an idea of how to get started. So uh, uh, I, I paid for an excavator to excavate the footings in the in the basement for the cabin. Right. Mm-hmm. And then I paid a a uh, handyman from the cement company uh, to hang around the day we actually poured the foundation, just to make sure we had some fresh expertise on hand while we were we were doing and working with this foundation system from there on uh it was all friends relatives mm-hmm. uh and and me maybe yeah. some neighbors even once in a while too i'm not sure if they're friends at that point
3: <laughs> <laughs>
2: or if they are still but all right. right but uh my uh next youngest brother is a uh, literally a rocket scientist so he wired the uh, cabin for me uh, and we passed on the second inspection. Not the first, but, but the second. Oh, that's and, good. You know? I,
0: having just done a garage, that's impressive. So, yep. Absolutely.
2: And I got a very good friend who there's actually mentioned several times in the first book uh, named Kim. And yep. there's a chapter, A Friend Like Kim. A friend and Like he's, Kim. Yeah. He's been uh, very good to help with some of the really tricky places where you want to have some craftsmanship as well as, uh, you know, the, the guy like me can hammer a nail. Uh, The siding on the exterior of the cabin looks much better because Kim did it. (laughs) All right. Well, at at risk of
0: of sounding like a a, uh, real estate agent here, how many bedrooms did you end up with? What do you have space for? I I, I only say this because I ended up, our cabin, when I was young, it was two bedrooms and a living room, a kitchen kind of wedged in the living room, and then they'd added on a bathroom at one point that clearly didn't fit, but it was there. So, what, what's the layout, Mike?
2: Okay, well, we've got, we were all inclusive in our cabin. It's two stories. Uh, you know, I started out with the idea that the, the walkout level to the lake would be the living room. Okay. But the more I worked on the second story, which is the cathedral vaulted ceiling and everything, the more I knew that, nah, this is where we're going to want to spend our time. True. Actually, the cabin has two rooms the upstairs, uh, is uh, the kitchen, dining, living room area turns into a bedroom come about 10 o'clock. Okay. The basement has got the bunk beds in it, the wood stove, uh, some of the other things like that, and all of the storage right now. So it's, it's really only two rooms at this point in okay. time. With that plan for the septic system, uh,
1: living uh, kitchen, actual kitchen with water and stuff, added on in the future. Okay. One of the chapters in your book first appeared in a magazine it was one of your first publications if i'm not mistaken
2: uh, correct the first uh, uh magazine article i had published the first thing i ever really got paid for other than one of the uh, some grants and things that i wrote at work you could say you know mm-hmm. was with the lake country journal and it's uh, the one of the first chapters in my first book uh, it's called outhouse talk and and that we talk about how the outhouse has got some advantages that most people wouldn't think of now most people go, oh, yuck, an outhouse. <laughs> no, no, wait, think this through, you know. Sure. We don't have pipes to freeze. Mm-hmm. So when people ask me, uh, did you close the cabin? I say, yeah, I shut the door and locked it. <laughs> you know, <laughs> that's that's all it takes. It's simple and it's easy. And It also happens that I grew up on a farm. We didn't have running water till I was about 10. So, you know, outhouses have been back in my background. So I kind of I grew up with them a little bit, mm-hmm. so I didn't really mind it. It is a environmentally friendly outhouse with a sealed tank. Uh, given my uh, uh, previous work on environmental issues, it's it's as friendly as you can get. Sure. Um, but one of the other advantages is that you can use it to keep away unwanted visitors. No <laughs> uh, doubt. Visitors at the cabin are, are probably a topic for a whole session, <laughs> if <laughs> not a whole season. We yeah. could go on forever. But, uh, you know, if I... If I Think that somebody, let's say I'm at a social engagement and I'm showing pictures of the cabin because it's my baby. Right. Mm-hmm. And go- people are going, oh, hey, I'd really like to come up there and spend a day or two or a week or something. And you start to get the feeling, of, ah, but wait a minute, this might not be my kind of guy. <laughs> right. You can just add in. Oh, by the way, we we don't have running water. We have an outhouse. Usually, that sends them packing. <laughs> if not, you know, you can you can add on to it. Like I can mention when the the, the hornet's nest in the outhouse, which is happening. You know, leave out some of the details just let them let them figure out if anything happened or well, not. the nest was. And then there's also the, uh, the time the bear ripped the door off. The <laughs> yeah. uh, that really gets a lot of people, particularly the female species, worried about <laughs> right.
0: big furry animals and what they can do. Who so is there. this who needs to use the outhouse this badly? They're pulling the front door off. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, seem really interested in some, some birdseed. <laughs> <laughs> Thankfully, just birdseed.
1: Well, you know, with all this talk of outhouses, it's making me think that this would be a great opportunity for a short sponsor break. So, if you guys will hold tight, I'm going to grab my bear bell here and make my way to the outhouse. But don't go away, folks. We have a lot more coming up with our special guest, Mike Leon. Here, Bear Bear. Here, Bear Bear.
3: Here, Bear Bear.
0: We'd like to encourage you to stick around after cabin country each week and slow down a bit. Pick up some of the small-town wisdom of today and yesteryear
1: with good old Lloyd. In my grandpa's day up on the Gull River, long before cozy cabins and year-round lake homes were built, small hunting shacks were the only structures allowed on the lots at the time. But before work began on building the shack, there were more immediate construction needs. A solid dock in the water for fishing and an outhouse for other necessities of life. Gramps just called it the crapper. In spite of its name, it was more of a storage shed which contained an amazing amount of old stuff Gramps had accumulated during his life as an outdoorsman. There were old lawnmowers and Coleman fuel lanterns, fiberglass fishing rods, metal tackle boxes, and of course, there was the toilet seat in the front corner near the door. Though I knew the hole underneath was dug to only three or four feet, it might as well have been forty feet down, deep as a mine shaft. And of course, it wasn't the drop as much as what you would be landing in if you happened to fall in. My father laughed and Shook his head at my overactive imagination, but I never became comfortable using the crapper. It was filled with fascinating old stuff, but it was dark and dirty and smelly with lots of bugs. And it probably contributed to many stomach aches I had up there, since I delayed the inevitable as long as I possibly could. As the mosquitoes fly... (laughs) On a warm and humid Brainerd night A nervous child walks with his flashlight To the crapper
3: To the crapper
1: And a far loon cries The door squeaks open and a mouse runs away The boy wishes he'd gone much earlier today To the crapper crapper. That's Lloyd good old Lloyd. Now let's join Fudd
0: and Bjorn back in Cabin Country.
1: Well, another thing in constructing your own cabin we've touched on in Cabin Country was how safe is it in heavy weather? Now when you say basement, like, uh, are you talking first floor or is it actually a subterranean space in your cabin that you would go to built in the into store. a
0: hillside. Or? It's
2: uh, built into the hillside, so it's oh, a walkout. Okay. And okay. The, okay. the first level, the walkout level, is five feet into the hillside behind it, and it's heavy-duty poured concrete. I wanted the cabin, both the basement and the upstairs, to be the brick outhouse of cabins. Right. Okay, so it's right. constructed with poured concrete and not two by fours, two by sixes. All right, uh, it's overbuilt for its size. It's a relatively small size and. Uh, It's funny you ask about heavy weather because the first day we actually uh, had a door on the cabin, Uh, the storm that blew down the Boundary Waters in 1999 Uh came through us first. Okay. we ended up in the cabin literally holding the door shut because it was under construction, holding the door shut because we didn't have the latch on it yet while the storm blew past us and then continued on to the Boundary Waters. The cabin wow. withstood that as just a, a shell, so I figured, I am good. Right. I, I good do state. have the brick outhouse of cabins. <laughs> Absolutely. And huff and puff and oh, low and you're still going to be in business? It was a lot safer than being in the, cabin, the uh, camper trailer that we'd been no, uh, yeah.
0: sitting in before that. Mm. Certainly, yes. Mm. Campers, you know, a lot of people will do that in cabin country. They'll bring an old trailer basically mm-hmm. up and set it down maybe put it on cinder blocks or something and I, every time the weather gets nasty I, I would always kind of flash back to Wizard of Oz and it's flying up in the cyclone and then crush the <laughs> Wicked Witch of the West somewhere You know, they, they seem heavy and at the same time boy can they go airborne in a hurry so yikes ours didn't but uh, if we had been in it I'm sure we would have been thinking right, right. I'm going to guess then if it your second story is kind of up a little bit. You must have some pretty nice views of the lake.
2: Huh? Yeah, we do uh three seasons of the year and uh, I'm that natural guy, so uh, I followed the regulations and haven't cut down the trees in front of the the cabin. Sure. So in the summer it's pretty leafy with just glimpses of the lake out in mm-hmm. there
1: between it. But okay. Makes it feel private, I imagine. Yeah, it certainly does, yeah. <laughs>
2: That a lot of people s- feel it's, uh, they say, this is kind of like a big deer stand, because you're up high lo- overlooking down through the forest. Oh, yeah. Oh. oh, yeah. Now, do you
0: see quite a few deer coming through your, your property?
2: Uh, we see deer, we see bear, we see fisher, we, you name it. Right. I have not yet had a mountain lion on my uh, trail camera,
0: <laughs> <Okay>. or
2: sasquatch. <laughs> <laughs>
0: There's hope. But <laughs> well, what I hear, you might be more likely to see the Sasquatch before the mountain lion. So <laughs> yeah. huh. it's hard to say. It's hard to say. Um,
1: I had a great point there, Fudd, and I just went brain dead. So I'm gonna. Well, I already had one queued up. Sweet. I, I, I Outstanding. was standing. I was thinking of. Uh, the question you're asked a lot, I think you told me, is uh, Have you are, are you considering staying up there all year long at the cabin, become a local? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, what uh, What are your thoughts on that?
2: Uh, you know, we've kicked it around, but. Uh we run into we have a lot of family here in the area and mm-hmm. by the area let's say the extended Twin Cities area, Minnesota. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, including the the sons and the nieces and the nephews and the granddaughter. And my mom and dad actually live in Red Wing right okay. now. Okay, so yeah. we're it's a ways up there. It's not as it's not Ely far away or International Falls, but it still is a pretty a ways hike. away. Yeah. And just the the thought of being that far away from being able to babysit the granddaughter or pop mm-hmm. over to see my parents on a you know, uh, it, and we've lived in the same house in the same small town for close to forty years now. We have friends here. We have we we bowl on Friday nights for God's sake. <laughs> <laughs> well, you can't interrupt
1: that. You can't stop that.
2: <laughs> so uh, we probably will not become locals up there uh, right now i call ourselves uh full-time seasonals cuz we're there full time or part of the time every season uh-huh they've gotten to know you quite well up there uh some people have yes okay. we we have friends up there also yes it's it's you once you get into my writers group is up there sure. uh uh, you know, there's still some people from college that uh, I went to Bemidji State College not far from there that we, that we knew then and know now and right. It is kind of it's kind of like a second home. It's like you're living in two worlds, but especially now that i'm I'm self-employed as a writer and, uh, and have uh, time on my hands during the weekend can do
3: that. So.
0: so I'm just thinking here, Bemidji, not all that far, really from a little town called Black Duck, I guess. Sound about right. Uh, Black Duck's a little north of Bemidji. We're a little south, but okay. yes, the Black Duck yeah. have uh, been there many
2: times. Been yeah.
0: That was that was the, uh, the location of my dad's first teaching job. He got out of got out of the Navy and went to school, and got his teaching degree, and ended up teaching science up in Black Duck. Mm-hmm. And uh, that was a, he loved to go to Itasca State Park just because it was not that far from where he used to live. We got to see all these great things. The source of the headwaters of the Mississippi and, oh, man, River. and I remember that was a fair jaunt from the cabin mm-hmm. you know we were coming from the Cross Lake area so that seemed to be a ways out there but uh, yeah what a yeah. beautiful country
2: it Itasca Park is not far from our cabin it's my second favorite state park I right. spend a lot of time over there I volunteer over there for as the, part of the Minnesota Master Naturalist yeah
0: yep. oh, that's excellent beautiful area that's excellent
1: so you are an avid hunter and fisherman, and uh, I heard you tell me earlier that you well had a good year with deer this year. And not only are you an avid hunter and fisherman, but you 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 also provide a lot of meals based on your hunts. You you, uh, you uh, process your own deer, and um, I can't. I'm kind of covering two questions at once here, but um, I, well, I guess just this year it was it was a lucky year. Have you had a lot of venison yet, or?
2: Yeah, we're we're starting to work on it. I, I actually didn't shoot a deer this year. I got one oh, out did? in. Uh, I got a antelope out in Montana. Oh, uh, okay. And my son didn't. Uh, <laughs> but uh, both my sons are avid deer hunters, and they and with today's liberal laws, they both shot two deer themselves. And oh, so okay. I uh, I tend to. Uh, wait for the late muzzleloader season in the in the forest around my cabin and wander around with my old traditional muzzleloader something like an 1840s mountain man would carry wow. and if the right deer shows up uh, you know it uh, I've been fairly successful with it uh, I've actually written quite a few articles on that it's kind of a little niche that I can cover because of the traditional muzzleloader hunting
3: mm-hmm. stuff
2: mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah we we make very good use of the deer uh, between the the three families my t- my two sons and you know, so, so we've got two full freezers right
0: now and we'll start working away on it what's your favorite thing to do mike with venison what I, I, I a lot of the teachers i work with are avid deer hunters and they'll talk about one gentleman a former student who became a colleague and, and he said oh i you know you're gonna have to handle soccer practice this week because i'm going deer hunting and and i said well what you know my my dad was big into the Give the parts away to the uncles that really liked certain parts, certain cuts, um, and then he'd take the rest and, and make lots and lots and lots of venison sticks. Mm-hmm. So we had all these great, and they were wonderful. But I just remember thinking, that's a lot of work for venison sticks. And this gentleman I worked with said, "Oh God, if you've never had venison backstraps, you don't you don't have any idea what you're missing. Uh, you're basically, a tenderloin. It's the best thing you've ever had in your life."
2: Right. That's one of my favorite parts of the deer. Also, you take a Inch and a half cut of that, flatten it a little bit with a uh, meat mm-hmm. tenderizer mm-hmm. hammer, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, just a few little spices and, and grill medium rare you know, not really rare, but medium mm-hmm. rare. And that is that is a good hunk of meat. It's delicious. Yeah. He
0: was always talking about wrapping his in bacon. Hey, oh, bacon up. makes everything better. <laughs> <laughs> I felt like yes. saying, Brian, you're cheating. That's bacon. Come on. Leave it alone. Yeah. Yeah, and
2: we have some great mar- meat markets in uh, the North Country and everything, too, where bacon is a specialty. Oh, so yeah. A lot of that. Oh, yeah. But, but I, I'm also into a lot of soups and stews and things like that, but, but uh, I uh, don't mind a venison steak either. The,
1: the backstrap is, though, the cream that's, of the crop. That's yeah. it. That's,
0: that's the place right. to... That's the. That's what you want.
1: Well, and you know, for fishing, what's your favorite... Uh, it's actually what I was,
0: exactly where I was headed for. All what's, right. Two, two you're lines. A, you're a... You're a the northern troller. You love to f- troll
2: for the northern pike. There's nothing better than going out there being the first on the lake in the morning with the with the old one. And uh, a cup of coffee, the dog, and a red and white daredevil, or maybe a rapala. You know, okay. And just yeah. start trolling the uh, weed line of the lake. And just not only a great nature show that early in the morning and stuff, and you feel like you're the only one out there, but the northerns are... You know simple and easy to catch put up a good fight and uh that's i grew up doing that as a kid and everything too when we went fishing it was for northerns okay we hated bullheads
0: oh so, <laughs> <yeah>, that's <laughs> a common yeah boy Right. <laughs> my dad was infamous for beating them on the side of the boat until they fell off his line yep they maybe were, they took the leader and the whole works but he didn't care i
2: caught a lot of those as a farm kid down in the creek but the northerns were the the, the fish we went for with the you know, if we could afford a rental outboard motor, we had that smoking behind us. But sometimes it was just my dad's friend Denny. He's a big Norwegian farmer, and yeah. he could row the boat, and yeah. he could <laughs> throw those daredevils—the the old red and white ones—and and catch Norway. <laughs> I'm just—I'm curious, what was Denny's price
0: for being the, the locomotion?
1: I think he worked really cheap. You know, okay, yeah.
0: maybe a couple of beers and some of the some of the take from the lake. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Does this mean
1: that uh, you and your dad were expert
2: Y-bone? Uh, flares. Uh, we didn't worry too much about them. I grew up eating fish with bones in it. Oh, okay. Just <laughs> pull them out and make sure you didn't. Yeah. Or chew. Yeah. Now since, since I have, though too. I I also, I really love fishing for crappies. I call myself a semi-expert crappie fisherman. So that's oh. what I eat much of the time is the crappies and even the northerns I I let go. Though the northern is a great eating fish, especially if you know how to get the y
1: we had a, uh, a friend of ours, uh, Buck Fielding, on the show, and and he was suggesting that, uh, uh, unlike other game, um, the smaller, let's see, what was it? No, the the bigger the northern, the better tasting. Whereas in walleye, smaller, the smaller the walleye yeah. that you know. So, would you have you small found eye. that to be true, or what would you say? Uh, well, uh, small eye, that's un- <laughs>
2: yeah. <laughs> Unfortunately, the bigger the northern, the easier it is to get the Y-bones out, but if you will uh, uh, happen to look at some of the research the DNR is doing now, the Minnesota Department of Natural Resources, uh, one of the reasons we don't have the northern population, the nice size northerns we had before, is that too many people are eating that perfect size for breeding and spawning and things. So there's new regulations in the state upcoming this year about different zones in the state, what size of northerns you can keep or not. like I can see. unfortunately you get that beautiful two foot long northern or twenty eight inch northern that's five, six pounds or whatever. That one very good eating, very easy to get the Y bones out, but precisely the fish the DNR wants you to leave back in the lake. They oh, want those okay.
0: procreating. Yep. You need more of more of your more of your type. And oh,
2: okay. also eating down they're the a great predator fish, eating down those stunted bluegills and things like oh, that. Okay. Sure.
0: Yeah. Absolutely keeping the lake in check. Mm-hmm. Well it's, it's kinda curious. There's a person i work with whose husband is an avid an avid excuse me fisherman and he's he's got two things he loves to catch one one of course is crappies and, and sunfish and he does something kind of interesting and and uh, in that he smokes them into jerky Mouth-watering. he makes crappie jerky mm-hmm. uh. and sent a bag full for all the teachers last year and people braver than i i hate to admit it i'm i'm one of these people love to catch them and then love to put them back i for some <laughs> reason i don't know what it is it's just
1: I'll eat your share. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Me, Fud, you me can Me, Yeah, <laughs> I'll give them
0: to you, too, Mike. I, I love catching them, and then I... No, thank you. But... Uh, and then I keep hearing from my... You know, back when my dad was still around or, or any of the relatives or people I work with, oh, you don't know what's good. Oh, for <laughs> crying, you don't have any idea what's good eating. Yeah. I guess not, you know. Um, and then another gentleman would catch... He'd go after Northern Pike. And what he would do with them was he'd clean them out and... Cut them into manageable pieces and pickle it. You do like almost like a pickled herring, except with northern pike. And he said it's so much cleaner. You know, and herring is very fatty, and and it's a real. Yep. I mean that omega three fish oil that's so good for us. We should all be eating it. A Scandinavian. Yeah. Oh my God! I'm I'm the one Norwegian. <laughs> that's where you live in, longer in the Upper Midwest. I'll, I, maybe not because man, I, <laughs> I try and it just, <laughs> <laughs> no thank you. But he said yeah, the pickled northern. It's that same kind of good flavor without that kind of fishy, oily taste of the herring. He said, it's just clean. You'll love it. Mm -hmm. I'm sure I would if if I could wrap my brain around
2: it. I occasionally pickle uh, Northerns too, but but, uh, I always tend to see like I pickle too many of them and then you maybe get tired of it. Though I had a neighbor back in the day uh, in a small town in western Minnesota, Marion, Mm -hmm. who made pickled Northern that could have been in the finest restaurants in in Minneapolis. I oh. have a recipe, but it never comes out the same way. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> what's yeah. her secret? Do you know? Uh, she's long gone from this planet, unfortunately. Oh. Or I would be over there trying to figure rifle out, rifle
0: through the recipe file and see what see yep. what Marion was using. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No. Yeah, my family was all about the panfish and just as many as you can catch. My dad had clean, and mm. and that's what we're having. So.
1: Yeah, I always thought crappies were the best tasting. In my family, we eat bass. Well, because. Largemouth bass, we catch a lot on the on the Gull River. So some of them are fishy, but a lot of them are pretty darn good. You have a preference for, I mean, is, crappies, I heard you say, northern, any other fish that you like oh, to eat? We eat a
2: lot of sunfish, too. I uh, Lake Waconia here in the western part of the cities, my sons, uh, we live out that way. Okay. Uh, we got the first real new boat ah. <laughs> and spent a lot of time on uh, Waconia with it fishing for sunfish while they were growing up and everything. So we've eaten a lot of those too. Those are good. Bass, I'm not... I, I fish for bass and catch a lot by accident. I love smallmouth bass fishing. That is one of the few criteria our lake didn't meet, is I wanted to have smallmouth bass in it, and it doesn't. But so, it's got hmm. some largemouth so I can fish for them. But I, I've, never, I've never been a real fan of
0: eating the bass, but uh, maybe I just don't have your recipe for it. Well, I don't know. Shore lunch? Uh... <laughs> What do you guys do with those foot? I don't even—I don't even know. I...
1: Well, yeah, I just uh, uh, you know, you do the old—dredge uh, them in a little flour first, and then, uh, then some beaten eggs, and then, and then some either shore lunch. My dad likes to use well a biscuit knock-off. Knock you know, okay. my dad's always been a generic man, of course. So some kind of a pancake Rices batter right. or whatever, right? Absolutely. But I, I yeah, I like—I mean, the short shore lunch—I haven't even discovered. It tell later. Then again, it was name brand, so it never appeared before. Uh, but yeah, it, it it's great. And if I can if I can catch and clean it inside of like two hours, and, and it's and it's curling. I'm mean, sorry, folks, if you don't like you know to hear about fish curling in the pans that they're so fresh. But oh, is it is it good? <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
0: always always uh, better. Leaping right out of the. Oh, it, it is. is Lord. It's like, Lord,
1: It's like these curly, you know.
0: And so, yeah, that's. You don't do the like inch and a half of oil and deep fryer? do you just no? No.
1: Although I will say I've got a friend, a friend of my wife's uh, uh, father, who's a he's a big walleye fisherman. We had a fish fry once, and he had the you know he had the the portable yeah. gas powered uh, deep fryer. Deep fryer, and oh my god, was that good! It's like oh, I just Bjorn. I don't know how you. you I'm not going to lie. The
0: one time I had walleye, it came from one of the huge. Box stores and the price was insane. And my wife was talking about how great this was going to be, and all I could taste was fish. <laughs> <laughs> I kid you not. I was like, oh my God, it uh, smells. It must have been like, an imported Canadian one. Oh, oh, man. Right. Well, you know, you're, Straight from Manitoba. Here comes your, You don't know what's good. I don't you know don't what's know good. What's I good. do not know what's good. That's right.
1: Oh, but I see that Don uh, thinks he knows what's good, and that, of course, is a sponsor break. So. We'll take a brief pause, and if you'll hang with us, we'll be right back with more Mike Leon.
0: You are a hunter, an angler, a friend of the backwoods. Any time spent away from the outdoors is time lost. The work world of 9 to 5 wears you down, makes you feel less effective, makes you feel like it's all falling apart.
1: Forest 420, the elixir that can bring back your outdoor swagger. One 2-ounce bottle of Forest 420 will restore personal alertness better than a double shot of espresso. Forest 420 will mask most hunter smells, making you invisible to your prey up in the deer stand or out on the drive hunt. It will improve your posture and make you feel taller, more in control. Forest 420 will return male and female vitality to those with flagging libidos, giving you back your blush of youth. 420 will help you stay odor-free on hot days or
0: high-pressure work days when personal freshness is a sure sign of self-control and command of all situations. It will bring back follicular growth on hairlines that are receding, actually growing new hair where none existed in the past. Forest 420 will actually improve your eyesight. Daily use having restored most minor vision issues back to 2020 within one month of use.
1: 420 has been credited with bringing the powers of clairvoyance and clairaudience to some users. Now you know what they're thinking. Forest 420 is also a first class carburetor cleaner for all engine systems, including most inboard and outboard marine motors.
0: The road to daily success in life is clear, concise, and right in front of you. Forest 420. Wake up and smell the great outdoors today.
1: Some of the ingredients in Forest 420 has been found to cause hyperactivity, bladder control issues, and occasional coma in lab rats in the state of California and province of Manitoba. Ask your doctor if Forest 420 is right for you.
0: Hey, good looking. We'll be back with the Forest 420 for you later. I got a Forest 420, and I love it. Love it. Love it. Love it.
3: it.
0: And now back to Bjorn Lloydstead and Fudd Klugman. In Cabin Country.
1: Now, uh, a, a moment ago, Mike opened the door on another Cabin Country favorite subject, and yes. that is boats. Oh, better believe it. And, uh, uh, in fact, Mike shared that he, he listened to our, our episode where we talked about some of the, the early boats. In fact, yeah. we have a picture of the sea maid all of season one. I kept referring to by 1960 sea queen. boat as a sea queen. Sea queen. Yes. Only to realize, until I finally looked at the registration, on it it's a C made. So I apologize to all the experts out there, who just by my description probably knew what it was and I didn't. But <laughs> anyway, it was a C made, and I and I've got a They're nice
0: tuning out as we speak, fud, and they'll never come back. That's right, I, these bunch goodness. of amateurs. Well, now
1: that we've got Mike here, yes, I think we've we've yes. upped our our tier to. Professional level, so thank you.
0: So, Mike, you were talking about the new boat, the big, beautiful new boat. What? What is the new boat?
2: Well, this, of course, keep in mind that it's now the old big boat. Okay, <laughs> so All right. I, I made the mistake of going to a boat show in Uh-oh. 1989. Yeah, uh, you know, and they, they had a deal I just couldn't pass up. It was a year <laughs> old boat, brand new, but a year old one. That uh-huh. last year's closeout model, just so cheap, they Begged me to take it. <laughs> right. So I did. Sure. And uh, um, now it happened to have a, a the motor on it, even though it was new, did lead me to learning a lot of new bad words. Uh-huh. <laughs> yep. yeah. But uh, we took care of that problem and upgraded to a good old Mercury. Okay. And, and now we're we're still. I've like, rebuilt the floor in the bo- boat once. And the boat. Did you <laughs> did you catch that Minnesota <laughs> The, bo- the, the boat? Boat. Yeah, the boat. Oh no! <laughs> if the my uh, yeah. nephews and nieces from Colorado are listening, they're going to call me and say you did oh, it again, <laughs> Uncle Mike. Yeah, <laughs> tell yeah. us again about the boat. It's you not know. a problem. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, before that was a long line, and there have been others of of well used boats too. Uh, sure. My dad started, once we moved into town, with the classic boat you guys are talking about, a red and white Larson fiberglass Absolutely. with a 30-horse Mercury on it yep. that you tried to ski behind. <laughs> yeah. And sometimes we're successful
0: on, on two skis. Chest high in the water, <laughs> drawing yeah. awake. Absolutely. But uh,
2: Absolutely. one of our our best stories, and it's in the first book, is, is uh, we are traveling down home, down 169, Going home, my wife and I, uh, to for a weekend at the family lake home. Up ahead of us is a old Chevy station wagon pulling a trailer with one wheel wobbling. Yes, <laughs> there's a boat, big old hunk of fiberglass runabout sitting kind of crooked on it, and the motor kind of wobbling back and forth, too, jiggling a little bit. As we're co- coming up to it, my wife Marcy goes. Oh, that looks like something your dad would buy. (laughs) We pull up alongside the car and... It's Dad. <laughs> uh, I had to pull him over and say, Dad, you're about to lose a wheel. And oh, I didn't and, and, maybe <laughs> and maybe the motor. And maybe the motor. He got a real deal on a one that had been in a car wreck and thought he could rebuild it and was okay. going to make some money. And, and Dad, you didn't. Did That's right. <laughs> well,
1: did he get rid of this thing a long time ago, or is it still... He he yard.
2: had it for, a, uh, he did get rid of that one, but then he, he actually ha- also had another boat, an even bigger Larson Fiberglass. And uh, now being a frugal Scandinavian also, he had a boat lift that yeah. a local farmer engineer had made for him. Yep. yep. Now, it... It took about four grown men to raise and lower that boat on this homemade (laughs) boat. There was many a time we were sitting up on the deck after supper, and my dad would say, well, you want to go for a boat ride? And we knew that meant not only winching that queen elizabeth down but back up once we got back and many times he said no we're yeah, good yeah.
0: <laughs> two hours for the ride and an hour and a half to get that back on the lift I, if I it know. didn't die out on the lake right while you're out there
2: too that was all. <laughs> right.
0: well i remember we had a big old piece of seagoing fiberglass that had an 18 horse evan root on it and it, it, the old kind of rectangular housing that looked kind of jet age I don't know what my dad, you know, he was a Navy mechanic in the Second World War and the Korean War. So he must have been handier with motors than than I recognized because they always worked. So either we were lucky, 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 or or, uh, he knew what he was doing to fix the things. I'm not quite sure, but we never, and he was one of these guys too, to get that, he wasn't going to leave it on the boat. During the week while we were back, oh, no, back in no. the cities, might so, get ripped off. <laughs> absolutely. So he he uh, jury rigged kind of this thing he'd found in the dump out behind the cabin that was kind of a dolly that somebody'd thrown back there because there were no wheels on it. And he went into the Cross Lake Lumberyard and he bought a couple of wheels and managed to keep them on it. And then he he kind of. I I wanna say it was something involving some bolts, some rubber cement and possibly a soldering iron, but by God he had a system. system Yeah. (laughs) And he could he would get that thing off and it was heavier than sin and he'd get it onto that thing and attach the you know, the screws that you put on the back plate of the boat. And then he he built a couple of rails up the side of the steps coming up out of the lake and and he had this kind of goofy homemade system until his back went out, you know, and then it was well now what? But by that point he'd yeah. We'd said goodbye to that one and, and bought one of his his in-laws, I'm getting rid of this one. Maybe you'd like it. You know, we, we graduated to a Tri-Hall Larson 16-foot with a 50-horse motor. <laughs> oh, oh, my gosh.
1: Yes. So
0: so the newer boat, It's. I'm still wondering who, who has made your newer, older boat, the... We talked about the one that you bought that you were going on Maconia with. Oh,
2: okay, the the, the yeah, it, it is a a bluefin which was okay. uh, made down in Indiana, but uh, all right, cool, uh, kind of a knockoff on a Landa, seventeen okay, foot sure. boat with a, a windshield. Yep, uh, walk-through windshield, and a little top you can put up, steering wheel, you know. So that that that's that's the big boat, fun. Then we have the the smaller the duck boats, the kayaks, the canoes, mm-hmm. the uh, you know the uh, paddle boat. My wife. Uh, We're on our second paddle boat up at the cabin. First one got
0: crushed by a tree. (laughs) Timber! (laughs) A storm and a wayward, wayward snag.
2: But I think the worst motor I ever had was a six-horse J.C. Penny. Oh my gosh! <laughs> Jeez, I, I didn't realize they made motors. Yeah, I didn't either till I bought it. And I, they shouldn't have. Let's and now just, you know why they, they don't do
1: that. They anymore. shouldn't have. Yes. <laughs> I've heard mechanics refer to some of those as lawnmowers on a stick. I don't know if it. <sighs> it was. That, was, that was probably. It. <laughs> wow. Well, we had a on the sea made in uh, uh, yes. earlier show. We. For a long time, we had a 19, like, I think it was a 1956, because looking online, it's, it's a five and a half horsepower, you know, green, that, that old metallic green. and Rounded housing. Yeah. yeah. And, and the thing worked for a long time. I mean, not very well, not very fast, but it finally gave up the ghost a couple of years ago, and we gave it to somebody collecting, you know, antiques. You're right. But, man, it was... Uh, it was, it was quite a it was a looker well just because it was old and cool looking but you know. yeah, that's such a part
0: of cabin country though those old you know kind of refurbished motors that you know have you know they're older than I am you know and it's just those on a small boat and, and the guys with the pipes and the ball caps and everything I know I've talked about that before but that that to me just brings me back to being on a Minnesota lake in the 70s maybe the early 80s and just these guys kind of you know what
1: this make, is good. Made this myself this or fixed it up. Good uh, enough.
0: I I don't know, Mike, if you ever saw any of these, but the homemade, oh, uh, uh, pontoons, pontoons, where they made made their pontoons out of fifty five gallon drums. My
2: dad and his uh, farmer friend Denny, who yeah. was to oh, boats for us, tried tried to make one one summer and <laughs> didn't quite get it done before harvest time. Oh, right? yeah. and they just sort of, I think somebody else took it on as their sure. project. They Let they me. did, however, complete a duck boat. Okay, uh, they welded two Ford pickup. Ford pickup truck hoods together. Okay. Oh. And it actually floated.
0: Wow. <laughs> Very That's unique. A low riding uh, That's a low-riding duck boat. Well,
2: of these are was the old-style Ford hoods. The they're, big, they're pretty, pretty okay, big, you sure. know. I, okay. I wish I still had it. I, it's probably down in the Watson sag yet, uh, yeah. uh, rotting away,
0: rusting away. But it was pretty unique. You know? So those old curved. The old curved okay. hoods. Okay, all right. The, uh, yep.
1: yeah, I'm thinking just a flat. <laughs> like... <laughs> My dad did make a, a duck boat out of, you know, plywood and fiberglass. And, say,
2: that's quite a float, too.
1: Uh, a few of my duck hunting trips were, you know, in in that. I was wondering if you ever thought, oh, I'm going to make myself a, a boat or a duck boat. You ever, aside from your dad's Maybe, attempt with the Ford Hoods, uh, well, call, up,
0: call up Kim and say, hey, I got a challenge. Let's, let's build a boat.
1: Uh,
2: I've thought about it many times. However, the standard for me would have to be pretty high because <laughs> yeah. my... My brother that I've mentioned before, the rocket scientist, yeah. uh, he makes cedar strip canoes and kayaks oh. that are, you know, when people see you in one of them, they go, you shouldn't be using that.
3: <laughs> it's too, Get out of there! <laughs> <Right>. <laughs>
0: That's museum quality. Uh-huh. Get now out of he,
2: that. Yeah, Now he actually has a 35-foot sailboat on Lake Superior, so he's really, besides being a rocket scientist, deep into the sailing culture, but makes uh-huh. these things on the side, you know. He hasn't yet made me one, and that's. Uh. But that's he probably knows that I would just use it duck hunting, and trash it anyway. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want any, you know. So soft. I I, I mean. haven't uh, taken on actually building one. I helped a friend back in high school in shop class, and I, I remember that being a a uh, not very seaworthy, but it it did get us to a few places.
0: Uh-huh. One thing that, that I will I will ask, I, I do know a couple people, cabin country for a couple people I know is Lake Superior. They're, they're in it's land that's been in the family quite a while. they have got cabins on Lake Superior.
1: Don't give it up. Uh,
0: well, gosh, no. I, avid fisherman, Mike, have you ever fished Lake Superior?
2: As a matter of fact, I'm an expert in that also.
0: Okay. Whoa. What, Whoa. Uh, what, what, what do you normally do? Net when you're out on the uh, <laughs> my brother again
2: with the sailboat uh, mm-hmm. isn't a big-time fisherman, but uh, once or twice a year he lets me turn his sailboat into a fishing boat. Wow! So we—I have the downriggers and stuff that you would see on a sure. on a uh, commercial guided boat out on Lake Superior. Mm-hmm. We—he, being an engineer, uh, figured a way to mount them on his sailboat without hurting the pretty mahogany yep. or teak, <laughs> yep. whatever it may sure, be. Absolutely. Uh, so we go out and we uh, troll Lake Superior with, with the little motor and a little diesel motor yep. in his sailboat. Yep. And we catch uh, mainly lake trout, but some rainbow and brown trout. And just this fall, we did uh,
0: got some really
2: tasty salmon. Okay.
0: Wow. I'm trying to remember, I, I used to sail among, in uh, Apostles with some teachers every, every Memorial Day. That's where he has his boat. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, we would always go out of Pikes Bay. Uh, I think that's Bayfield. Mm-hmm. And uh, he's at Red Cliff, which is further okay, up yeah. the shore. Yeah, absolutely. Is that like closer to Ashland, I think, maybe? Does that sound right? No, it's further, it's as far north as you can go okay. up the shore. Okay, all right. Yeah. But that, the skip of our, of our, our vessel, is one of our tech ed teachers, and he was a, a licensed captain. And he, every time we were turning on that little diesel, he would say, of well, time to kick into the Iron Jenny. Like, hmm. Iron Jenny? Where did that come from? I know. Or I, maybe I'm getting the name wrong, but I swear to goodness that's what he would say every time. Yeah, hey, we got to turn on the Iron Jenny here. Yeah. Lower the sails. We're just not getting any wind, so we put 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 along. And I just wondered, yeah, if we had downriggers, we could probably try to. Yeah, Lake like trout kind works of thing.
2: Uh, really good uh, with that little motor. Now, I'm very happy though, that, of course, he's the owner of the boat because we once blew the Iron Jenny. Sure. Uh, had to sail back into port without without any motor power, and he was the one that. Got the bill and the hard work of installing the new engine in the (laughs) sailboat. Oh, Uh, no.
0: (laughs) Oh, no. Yeah. What, uh, just out of curiosity, what kind of uh, build is the sailboat that he's got? I've sailed on a couple different...
2: It's a yawl. Okay. Which is, uh, it's got two masts. I'm not sure the, you you probably... uh, you know the more the sailing classifications than I, but but it's uh, about a 33 foot yawl that was built in Florida that he had imported up. There. Okay, a custom right. built
0: boat. Okay, so it was a, a boat builder sort of independent kind of thing. Yep. Mm-hmm. Uh, where we are, there's always they've got certain things for rent. There's jennos and there's, you know, all these different makes. And, right. And, uh, one of them was lovingly referred to as the RV of sailboats. It was this big 40 foot thing that we tried to maneuver through the Apostle. I mean, it was beautiful and had a living room, for crying out loud, but it was, it was about as, you know, finesse sailing as, as an RV, you know, like did a snowplow. Did you snow miss plow. all the rocks? We did. We did. At, at one point, uh, we were getting very close to one of, I think, Oak Island, and uh, the captain was busy sampling something off of a growler and, and listening to some music, and <laughs> and and one of the first mates, our math teacher friend, was looking at the, the depth gauge and going, Captain, we've gone from 20 feet to five. <laughs> I can see rocks. <laughs> and that was the only time, twice, I saw the captain turn white. One was at that point where the beer kind of went onto the floor and he came hard about. And we got to get out of here like right now. And the other was trying to sail back and he said, Let's, we've got I don't remember what the knot speed was of the wind that was blowing, but it was crazy. And we were going to try to make port at Matlan. And uh, he said, We're going in no motor, we're going in full sail. He said, "I, I think we're going to be able to really get moving here." And at one point, he said, "My goal is to bury the rail," and we did. And one one side of us, you know, railing was underwater, and uh, I made the mistake. I was I was actually up front and chained to the mast. I, you know, it was like, "I wanted to be up front." He said, "You got to put on a chain. It's, you know, you need, I don't want you going over the side." I turned around and looked at him, and the smile was gone. <laughs> he, he looked like a terrified Gorton's fisherman hanging under that wheel. <laughs> By the time we, we made port, he was like, I'm not going to lie. He was touch and go there for a minute. <laughs> I don't want to get in that water unless I do so of my own accord. But, uh, yeah, the fishing, the fishing we, I think at one point we watched another sailboat accidentally foul. A commercial fisherman's nets. you yeah, got
2: to watch out for the nets. Yeah, because
0: there were buoys out, and, and this person hadn't paid attention. He went right through. And I think they, were, they had nets out for probably, uh, I guess it would be whitefish. Uh,
2: it depends on who you are up there, but there yeah. is some netting in the lake trout and stuff, mainly okay. by the Native Americans. Right, right. But, but yes, those will suck up your fishing gear really quick, too, as oh. we found out once. Right.
0: So. Yeah. It, was, it didn't go over well. I mean, I was glad it wasn't us, but I, all I could do I could see this kind of high-powered fishing boat coming out, and I could hear the colorful language. I, I learned some words, much like you did. <laughs> from sailors. Like, listen sailors. to those guys. They're really, <laughs> they're really no. letting fly. I'm pretty upset.
1: Well, speaking of colorful language, maybe we ought to take a break for a word from a sponsor or two. So uh, if you'll hang in there, Bjorn and I will return back with Mike Leon after this.
0: Cabin Country would like to thank you for making the Cabin Country podcast the number one podcast on GSPN, the gas station podcast network. If your favorite gas station doesn't play Cabin Country while you are at the pumps filling your tank, please tell them that you want to hear Cabin Country while you gas up. Nothing says gas like Cabin
1: Country. Mits Coffees is proud to offer their newest blend for coffee lovers across the Northwest.
0: Supremian Columbo, a rich, full-bodied dark coffee that is strong enough to be your daybreak blend, but not so powerful that you'll have to stop after two or three cups. Supremian Columbo is a great choice for an everyday blend, a brew that will accompany you through your day while letting you still get a rewarding night's sleep. Join the legions of foreign place kickers and disheveled private investigators who swear by it. Ah,
1: just one more cup.
0: Supremian Columbo is the coffee for you.
1: Brought to you by Mitt's Coffee Roasters, the brew that flew with the great Northwest. And now, on with the show. Let's talk a little bit more about your
0: writing. I was thinking of that chapter. I, I, as a non dog owner, I know in the book, you know, Firewood Happens, you had a chapter about the dogs.
2: Yeah, like I think I mentioned earlier, I got my first uh, Labrador, a yellow one, when I think, I'm pretty sure it was for my fourth birthday. I can remember going to somebody else's farm and picking him out, and he was a big uh, male that just followed me everywhere on the farm, me and that BB gun that I got for my fifth birthday, and we had a certain list that we were, vermin we could take care of, uh, sparrows, pigeons, blackbirds, you know, the songbirds Mm -hmm. were off limits, of course, and stuff, so that was sort of our uh, hobby, wandering around, and he'd, he'd follow me around and do some retrieving, though he always, he did like to eat the birds and everything, too. <laughs> he, was, he was a farm dog as well right. as a hunting dog. Right. Uh, but from there, uh, I went, uh, I had a, a few beagles here and there as I was growing up. We moved into town, the, the Labradors didn't work out very good there. But uh, while we were finishing up college, my wife, uh, soon, or at the time, my My girlfriend, soon to be my wife I guess you would call it And I found a litter of Labradors for sale up there And I said, do you think your uh, uh, Roommates would mind if you Raised a dog for me? They were living out in the woods Oh, Well, let's ask them And they were kind enough to say So we we picked out a female black Labrador from that litter And that was our first dog, Maggie And uh, we kind of went on from there uh, there have all been hunting dogs, waterfowl and pheasants, grouse and things. We had a lot of grouse and woodcock around the cabin, but uh, yeah, in fact that we've had enough with I come to refer to them as the current Labrador retriever in residence <laughs> at the cabin uh, because uh, there's there's always one around. Uh, one occasion we had two while well, one old one was aging and a puppy was coming, but we always, always have the a current huh? Uh, uh, Sage is almost three years old. Oh, it's oh, still a puppy. Uh, yeah, but she is, she's for Labrador, she is a real slug. Well, one oh. hunting dog, but, <laughs> but she loves her naps, and that's just fine oh. with me, because the, the one before that was a uh, very high-strung, uh, very well-bred. In fact, uh, her, her grandfather was supposedly imported from... From Britain, from the Queen's kennel. Oh, oh, now, I can't confirm or deny that one hundred percent, but she she was wanted to be treated by. She was high maintenance. Let's <laughs> yes, put it that way. Yes. High maintenance. Wow. High that's maintenance that's and, and was until the day she she uh, had to the, the, the pass on. Uh, yeah. But uh, a great hunting dog, great companion, things like that. But 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 wanted you to be doing something with her uh, as much as possible.
0: Huh. I'm going to go way out on a limb here having read the chat. Was that Caliber by chance? Yes, it was. Oh, okay, yeah because yeah, I remember you said that at one point you had the older dog who was interested in some sleeping time and leaving alone and a very high-strung puppy named Caliber. Yep. And I forget the older dog's name. Ripley. Ripley. There we go. Yes. Which brought me back to Camp Ripley, which is close to your place. Mine just starts racing.
2: Actually named for the heroine in the movie Aliens. Okay. Oh, really? Yes. <laughs> yes,
0: indeed. Oh, excellent. Lots of great quotes <laughs> and that I won't repeat here.
2: <laughs> so, no, Labradors are great cabin dogs. I mean, uh, you know, most of them are fairly mellow dogs, though. So you can get, uh, because of the breeding these days, some guys want them hard-charging and energetic for the hunting and stuff and for the field trials. Uh, but, you know, they're usually a the dog that's just happy to stay around the cabin, follow you around, go on the boat, go for a swim, fetch something. Lay in front of the fire, you know. So uh, absolutely, my my favorite kind of that. now. We also have got now the white fluffy dog in residence. We're on our second uh, one of that uh, little mixed mutts or whatever. So that's to keep my wife uh, company when the Labrador and I are off into the
1: wilds of Montana or the Northwoods sure. or something. But so now, like when you go to the cabin, I met with both dogs, right? And yep, do, do you just do they just run free or?
2: Ours stick around, so yeah, they do. Uh, it's, it's rare that we've had to. Now, you know, if Tom, our neighbor, shows up with his golden retriever, they have to uh, go over and say hi. Right, right
0: of course. But uh, They can find their way home.
2: Yeah. My, my son, oldest son Andy, also has a Labrador, and she also sticks around. They also have another little dog, a skipper keet. If, oh, yeah, you know. yeah, it's a little Belgian uh, canal boat dog. Yes, does yep. not stick around. Uh, ah. Unfortunately, Koa has to be on a leash, chain, in a kennel the whole time. Okay.
1: That
2: he, <laughs> will, take off. he will go off and be wolf bait. You know. That
1: that's, sounds exactly like our situation. We go up to our cabin, and the, the golden retriever, she, she can run, but she'll always come back, make sure the pack's okay. And if we're in the water, she'll jump in and make sure we're not swimming out too far. But that darn cavalier, you know, if she we learned after one two and a half hour search for her that when we go up, Sookie can run free and uh Cully has to be forever on a on a leash. You short know, leash and, short it's, and it's too bad you know, you can just tell it's a it's a real drag, man, that she's gotta not go too far. And if we go too far then I start hearing the whining and it drives me crazy. But But yeah, it was I I wish both were like that so they can just kinda go and come back. Sookie's great at that, but uh, nope. There's a
0: story I read, it sounds like the Skipper Key or or your Cavalier King Charles, you know, I'm trying to remember where I heard this, if it was on the radio, if I'd read it, but they were talking about how the kinds of dogs where you'll find their collar in a raptor's nest somewhere. (laughs) 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 A large eagle with a, you know, if it's possible to have a grin on its Mm -hmm. its, uh, hooked beak, you know, and there's there's the little remembrance of.
1: Well, our cavaler will just keep running until she finds another human, but and then she won't leave. That right. uh, you know, and that's what happened. How are you? Yeah. You don't know me, right? But uh, you're people, and you'll give me. You know, I'm bred for loving people, so I'm going to stick here. So, mm-hmm. well, even
2: our fluffy dogs now—they since they've grown up with Labradors, they both of them have swam like Labradors. Oh, oh okay. Uh, the, the current one is part Brachan Cocker Spaniel Shih Tzu, and she. She swims like she was bred to do it. Wow. So far she doesn't do the dive off the dock the way the Labrador does, <laughs> but she, she swims with no problem. Right. Out, out to the swimming raft and back and just paddles around with you.
0: I just saw something, and you're a hunter, Mike, and, and you might find this an interesting too, FUD, uh, watching one of the outdoors programs recently. Just love to loved loved, live vicariously through these folks, and, and this, it was a specific uh, kennel. These this husband and wife team they're raising hunting poodles,
3: Huh?
0: and uh, they're good in the water. Mm-hmm. They've got the coat that doesn't really shed. And he said, "You take a lot of flack from other hunters who, at first, they see these poodles and and, and they don't have out there. they don't have the goofy you know yeah. pom pom haircuts or anything. They just they look like a yeah almost kind of looks like a. Uh, I'm trying to think of a like a Chesapeake, you know, with the the curly coat, the tight mm-hmm. coat that's so good for uh, for the water, but. uh smart, really intelligent dogs. They don't, you know, you bring down a pheasant, bring down a grouse, they're not going to eat it. They'll bring it back to you, you know, and I know that take, that takes some training. Because I had a, a cousin, again, from out in, in the western part of the state, and he had one hunting dog that loved to go on the hunt because he never ate so well in his whole life. <laughs> you know, everything that came down was he was getting half that bird before he could get the thing away from him. And, and uh, I've, I've never had that problem. In
2: fact, one of them we used to raise quail when we lived on a farm site sure. out in the country, and I would turn some of them loose in the garden just for bug control. Yep. And when I needed yep. them, I would just send her in the garden, and she would pick the quail up and bring them back. Bring them back, yeah. them. Oh, that's Keep fine. them safe. Yeah.
0: There was a place we loved to go picking uh, strawberries around here, and that's, that's their pest control. They got guinea fowl mm-hmm. running, running the... And there's no bugs, none yeah. whatsoever. I always wonder if they have a fox problem or not, because, uh, you know, I live in, in St. Paul. I see a fox running up my street every night.
2: Yeah, there's... It's a jungle out there. It is. You said it.
0: You said it. Bald eagles and foxes. It's great. And wild turkeys. Oh my god. Yeah, oh, they're all over. They
2: are omnipresent. Suburbs yeah, they, they've even urban. taken over in the north woods up by us. I yeah. one of the uh, between ten or fifteen years ago, my wife came back to the cabin and said, "I just saw a turkey." And I said, "No, you didn't. Must have been a raven or something." She, <laughs> Well, come look. And We took the drive. <laughs> yep. Okay, you're right. That that it, that's turkey. I never thought they would take over in the Northwoods, but now they they're at the bird feeder along with everything else. And hey, and we hunt turkeys. In the I spring. was going to say, do you hunt them? And, yes, and we do. How, how
0: do you how do you find Mike? They compare to the traditional butterball. What's what's the better uh, table bird?
2: The you have to be very careful with the wild turkey. Or they get dry.
3: Oh, dry! I am. <laughs>
2: They're, they're not, not injected and right. not a lot of fat, but we lightly brine them, uh, smoke them. That really got to leave the skin on them. You got to pluck them. Some guys like to skin them. Sure, easier to do. But the the white meat will taste when you do it that way. It'll taste just like a regular store bought. Sure. The legs and the thighs are dark, dark, hmm. uh, and can be tougher. I I also smoke them, but then I use it as a. Substitute for ham and like a uh, ham okay, and, and sure. bean soup or something. And yep. That way, it's excellent. Cook it a couple times; it does get tender, right. and it, it's very tasty.
1: Yeah. Now, and, and now, since we're talking bird prep, what's the mystery? We haven't Googled this before. Now, I can't believe it, but uh, hanging pheasants for a few days—what, what's behind that? Why do you have to do that for pheasants? Do you know what? Some people
2: think, uh, particularly back in the good old days, that yeah. by hanging them, the, the flavor developed. Oh. better and everything. It's like uh, aged beef, for lack of sure. a better term. Oh. A little bit of the same. You get Dry a little bit of breakdown, age. microbes and things, and it adds some flavor to them. I'm not a big fan of it. Uh, I guess I've never really tried it much. I'm more of the let's cool them down, let's get them prepped up and,
0: and ready as soon as possible.
1: Right, so, not spoiling them. Well,
0: my dad was of the, of the same mind. Eat them now. And I loved them. I thought they were the, the best yeah. thing ever. I really And grouse. I was a...
2: Grouse are one of the best eating thing on wings. Oh, mm-hmm. 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 delicious. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. When I was going to college uh, and we were in the Bemidji area yep. near my cabin, uh, didn't know it at the time, but, but uh, that was a cheap hobby for us guys. You wander the woods with a shotgun and a couple of shells, shoot a grouse, and immediately build a fire.
3: <laughs> ah, you hungry?
2: <laughs> and have lunch. Wow. Why not? <laughs> now, you wouldn't do the same thing with a spruce grouse. Probably not. I've never gotten one of those, but I, I, from what I hear, it's much stronger flavor. My that.
0: cousin would kill him with, I was telling Fudd on an earlier podcast. He'd, he'd hunt him with rocks if he was bored because <laughs> they're they're not the brightest thing on the planet. And then he said, and I killed it, so I had to eat it. Mm-hmm. Well, they eat pine needles. Guess what yep. they taste like? You know, mm. like pulling the lid off a, a jar of you know, turpentine and having a, having a pull, except you can chew it. Like, oof, no, thank you.
1: Uh, now, and yeah. woodcock. You said you hunted woodcock. Now, timberdoodle. You've hunted them. So, have you had many uh, to eat? And, and they're a oh, very yes. small bird too. Yeah, it's, it's a, a tiny bird.
2: They're a, a yeah, a, a, one of the smaller game birds. Let's put it that way. You know, but, uh, though there are actually there are jack snipe which are even smaller. Even smaller. That. Even smaller. But but the woodcock is it's 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 a nice plump little hunk of meat and. uh Pretty tasty. Some people think they taste too much like their main diet, which is worms. Worms. Oh, (laughs) but uh, you know, there's some real classic recipes out there. Use just a little bit of plum or currant jelly to sweeten them up a little bit. Or we find just throw them on the Weber with a little bit of bacon. Sure, and they
1: will disappear. And do you usually get more than? I don't know what the limit is for woodcock when you go out, but Uh, currently I think it's three.
0: Uh, there's been a little bit of concern about their populations in the last few years. I I think it's three. I've heard that, and that that with grouse too now, that they're worried about some years are just boom years, and they're everywhere, and then a couple years there's nothing. Right. You just don't see them, and they say, well, take it easy this year. They're They're on a
2: very cyclic type of population, and right Right. now
0: it's a little harder to There's some concern about the West Nile virus. Okay. Uh, Beating them back a little bit. That was one thing I wanted to ask you, Mike. You, you talk about the deer hunting, and there's so much talk now about chronic wasting disease. Is there? What? I, I man, I'm, I'm a total layman here. I don't know. I mean, is there a worry about, you know, consumption of deer meat if if the deer has been kind of labeled? Well, yeah, this one's sick.
2: Uh. It- you know, it's, it's one of those unknowns. There's been a lot of research done about yeah. it. it, and it's one of those really strange things. It's not a virus. It's not a bacteria. It's not one of those things. It's right. this little bitty weird protein called a prion that can, in the deer, cause this disease where the deer just start wandering
0: around. Aimlessly.
2: Aimlessly, brainlessly, and eventually die. Right. Uh, there's some concern about potential for it passing from, but it's it's never, it hasn't been shown yet for passing okay. from human to, to whatever. And it, you know, it is largely concentrated in like the brain and the spinal tissue. And stuff. Right. So, you know, the thing is stay away from things like that. Bone your meat out, for example, instead right. of cooking it the old fashioned way with the big bone. On the of bone. bone and, yes. You know but the flavor and, is so much better. Mike. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> well, I'm a boneless type of man myself. <laughs> okay. so, you know, I like flavor, but, right. you know. But uh, I don't think they've actually shown that it can be transmitted. But there is concerns; these things do change, you know. So if that's why the DNR has been pretty aggressive in trying to wipe it out of the limited areas that they found it in. Right. It's none of the areas that we hunt that they've been found in. I've actually submitted my deer for testing several times as part of their research studies. Mm -hmm. More than happy to do that. They take a little piece of the brain and and test for it and everything. So. I, uh, it's, is it something I watch? Yes, but, sure. uh, not, it's something that I'm currently concerned about, a about, worried about, about eating the deer that I shoot in the areas that I hunt. Right.
0: Mm-hmm. And, and along those lines, the biggest of the deer, obviously now up where you are, do you, do you see moose from time to time? Uh, not around
2: our cabin. We don't, they, they, they haven't been in that area for a long time, but I, I do hunt northwestern minnesota where mm-hmm. which used to have a very good population and right. we had to kind of work our way around the dang things all the time because right they can be mean oh yeah <laughs> you know and of course i see them when i'm up in ely you know yeah some and everything yep but we, yep. They're, they're not uh the only ones you tend to see around our cabin are, are very stray ones usually that have some sort of disease okay there's the brain worm disease that they sometimes get and they just start wandering but that right. would be it's pretty rare Okay.
0: And I know that's. that's They're hard to. You don't see many of them. No. They're seen if they want to be seen, and they don't want right. to be seen. Unless they're in the middle of Highway 1 and
2: at midnight when you come around the car. <laughs> <laughs> exactly.
0: And I don't like the car's chances against something that size. Not good.
1: Not good at all. Not good at all. I was going to uh, suggest from Don's Evil Eye that we take a, a break, but, uh, you know, we okay. didn't even tell Mike this that. Uh, well he's he's due to take a dip into the Schmidt Scenic beer can collection. Oh, we had for the I,
2: drawing. I've been waiting for that foot. Oh, yes. It just it fascinates me what we might come up with.
1: <laughs> so hang tight with us folks. We'll be right back after a word from our sponsors, and then uh, we'll have a Schmidt Scenic moment. Absolutely. <laughs>
0: A long day's angling or an end to the afternoon's water skiing brings with it a trophy-sized hunger. And no place satisfies that hunger better than the Cracklin' Jack Pine, Crow Wing County's unique supper club. Cracklin' Jack's offers you the finest house salads with your choice of dressings, an anchor-sized foil-wrapped baked potato, and all the tap beers and mixed drinks you've come to expect when dining out. And the kicker? You get to cook your own meat! your own personal likings and tastes. Bring in your own porterhouse, T-bone, or New York strip. You're the chef. You decide when your meat is medium rare or well done. And if you'd like to leave the meat course to us, we proudly offer our half-pound Whitetail Frank, a mighty link that will sizzle and hiss on our custom 15-by-20-foot char grill that you'll find in the Jack Pine Grill Room. Any seasoning you might need is there for you. And you'll never run out of butter. Join us at the Cracklin' Jack Pine. Your chef's hat and apron are optional. And reservations are still strongly suggested. The Cracklin' Jack Pine is now proudly offering a mix of Roquefort and French dressings for those who like something a little different on their salads. We hope to see you soon at the Cracklin' Jack Pine. Now back to Bjorn Lloydstead, Fudd Pluckman, Cabin Country.
1: Well, welcome back. Uh, About that time, isn't it, it, Fudd? It is about time for, uh, well, I think it's been a fan favorite. It has. The uh, Schmidt Scenic Beer Can Collection moment, and our special guest, Mike Leon. We'll draw the
0: can of the episode. Let's see. So, yeah, go ahead Mike. grab the box. He's digging
1: deep. There it is. And he's pulling out.
0: Ooh, I got a moose. It's a A moose. moose. There There it is, a moose on one side and then. Oh, no, we've already covered the moose. Oh, no. Mike, you're going to have to dig again. That was on the winter
1: episode, so you get to draw again. You get to do it again. All right. (laughs) Here he goes again, folks. All right.
0: Sorry, Mike. Mike. Well, I'm not sure I
2: like this one. We've got hot (laughs) hot racing cars. Well, there
0: we are. And if I was going to guess, Mike, I mean that almost looks like the grandstand at the Great Minnesota Get Together. The state okay, fair. They're, they're racing at the state fair. Back in the days, they used to race at the state fair.
1: Are you feeling like you drew the one can that you'd least want to talk about? Because we can well, do it again, you, you know. Unless,
2: unless we're talking about bir and Brainerd, you know. Well, do you have experience with
1: bir?
0: Uh, no, not that I, <laughs> not that I can remember. <laughs> so maybe, maybe we dig just one more. Time. All right, the third and if time you get is the, the, can the charm. That says Billy on it. That we won't talk. About it. Oh that's right. Here we go. All right, here we go. He's digging deep
1: and he's going to find
2: the oh, This is here great. We go. This, this one I I love the theme. We've got uh, your uh hardy old ice fisherman. Uh, ice fisherman I think we with just a run with it. Big yes, old northern absolutely. pike. Absolutely. Excellent.
1: So, uh I by reading your books, we know that you are an ice fisherman and on Crooked Lake up at your cabin. Yes. So, uh do you ever pull any What what's this guy pulling out of the it's a big old northern, it looks like. And from the looks northern of it, Python.
0: one that right now the DNR would say, that's a breeder. Put that back. Yeah, I think so.
2: <laughs> you got to remember these cans are the good old days. You, know? and you can oh, yeah. you can tell us good old days, too, because he's got a red plaid hat on, and, and there's no fish finder near Right, no, Right, right. No, absolutely no, no fish locator,
0: finder. no depth finder, no nothing.
2: Yep. And the old jiggle stick oh, and a yes. metal metal bucket. Oh, oh look at that. My dad had one of those. Yeah. I, I miss that. I have one that I use as a prop when I'm selling books. kind of fits in with the cabin theme. Oh, sure. You bet. So, yeah, bet. So, yeah this looks like the the hardy old ice fisherman standing out there. There's some ice shacks in the back, the good old-fashioned ones. But he's out just on the
1: ice with a... just sitting it out. ...with a hole cut. I don't see how he cut the hole, but, you know, right, it doesn't have a... Yeah, crafty with a lighter. His yeah. manual like spoon shooed through the little ice. Little
2: Swedish spoon, or the yeah, <laughs> or
1: or no chisel that I see. What kind of boots is he wearing there? They're not the Steger mucklucks, are they? <laughs> That's a good question. Probably
2: LL Bean.
0: No? Yeah, yeah, they look kind of rubberized something. I'm not crazy. The red felt pants, like he could be a. What's the word I'm looking for? A voyageur, perhaps, voyageur. or. A,
1: now, this, uh, to say. not that we have to dwell too much on this, but, uh, we're just a few days out from the, uh, annual Eel Pout Festival up in Walker, Minnesota. And before the show, uh, Mike and Bjorn and I were saying how none of us particularly would. We haven't been there. Want to. <laughs> and I'm not so sure. We'd well, want to. it sure looks Nothing like against it. We could have a good time. Lots of stuff to do and lots of things to drink, but, uh,. And drink. I don't know, Mike, what drink? do you think? <laughs> <laughs> well, they, they do have a new brewery in Walker there
2: I'd like to visit, oh. but I think this would not be the weekend to, to do that. Maybe the weekend. Since their
1: population uh, swells ruffles, to about yes. 10 times its, mm-hmm. its regular yeah. Crazy. amount.
0: I, well, I feel like I'd like to ask you, Mike, now at winter seems to be a time and you've done some ice fishing. Have you, have you latched into a pout while you've ice fished?
2: Uh, yes. Now, our lake isn't deep enough... I'm, Believe it or not, Eel love really deep, cold really water. Really deep lakes, yeah. They
0: they see them at like the 200, 300-foot level in Superior.
2: Right, yeah, very deep and everything. And they're actually a member of the cod, cod family. Cod, yeah, freshwater cod. Hmm. So um, I have caught them up in Ely when I'm fishing okay. for lake trout. Yes. And, you know, they've... They're one of those fish that's much aligned for their, their flavor, but actually, they're a cod, and there isn't a lot of meat on them. They're kind of weird to clean, and they're slimy, and they will wrap, your wrap arm, around, they your around your arm you and
0: <laughs> make weird noises, but
2: <laughs> they don't taste that bad.
0: <laughs> they taste okay. Now, what's the noise, too? They're supposedly like a burping yeah, sound they, or something. Yeah, it, they're it, belching.
1: grunting, burping, <laughs> and groaning. <type> of <laughs>
2: Sounds so pleasant. Sometimes they throw up. <laughs> oh.
1: <laughs> really? Oh, my gosh. Does this have anything to do with coming up so far from deep in the water, or is it just something that... Uh, I think
2: it's something they do, because when we catch them in the winter, they are a little bit shallower, because oh. they're in they a winter spawner, so they're in okay. there spawning on rocks and stuff in shallower water, and they, have, they stumble across the same thing that we'd be fishing for a lake trout in. There they are. Wow. So did you, when you caught some eel pound, did you, well, did you... Save it, than and eat it, or did you? Yes, it's always a disappointment, because they do put up a good fight, so you think you've got a nice lake trout on, <laughs> and they even look like a, the same color as greenish, you know, sure, sure. from a distance coming up through that clear water, but this then you suddenly get it, and you go, oh. <laughs> so it is a bit of a disappointment, but they don't go to waste. Well, that's
0: that's good. I've heard some people say they will fry them in the deep fat, mm-hmm. or they'll even throw them in the smoker. Mm-hmm. Uh... Or they'll beat them to death on the ice. <laughs> on and the ice and <laughs> leave them for the dogs. <laughs> yeah. for the dogs. Oh. <laughs> or the wayward seagull that hasn't migrated south. I, I just, I never saw one. I've did so much fishing with my dad. I never saw an eel pout. Two fish I never saw that he talked about with gritted teeth and anger in his voice the eel paws, or burbots, you know, mm-hmm. the, and then the dogfish or the bowfin. Hated them both.
2: They're always a disappointment, too, because you think you've got a very nice largemouth bass on, and, yeah. and it's a dogfish. Yeah.
0: Well, they're and fairly aggressive predators, too, right? They got teeth. Right. And, and my buddy Scott, who fishes for anything, he talks about uh, they're green.
1: The whole fish is green. The teeth are green. The eyes are green. Everything's green. It's just weird. Uh, you know, this makes me think of, you know, catching undesirable fish. Now, it sounds like you'll you'll... Mike, you'll probably try to eat anything or safely let it go. Do you have any... We grew up with dads who said, oh, it's a perch. You know, in Minnesota, the perch, they're small, they're wormy. I hate them. So they ended up being bonked on the boat, and they became (coughs) sea bait or something. Did you have any undesirables that you would catch and and be mean to,
2: or... (laughs) Well, the lake my parents used to live on in southern Minnesota was... Full of sheephead, okay. oh. and we hated those mm-hmm. <laughs> because, for one thing, they don't fight at all. It's like <laughs> pulling up a tire. The log, you know. And, and the ones in the lake there weren't particularly big, so it's like pulling in a just nothing, you know. Mm-hmm. And but at the same type of the time of the year when that with crappies were biting, that year the sheephead were also in the same area. Oh, and so you sometimes could not get to the crappies for the for the oh. sheephead. And so yeah, I'm afraid. One of my transgressions of the youth was, you know, stomping them on the head and, and throwing them <laughs> on the bank
1: and hoping something would eat you know, <laughs> them. You know. so, yes, sheep heads. Wow, those are among the uglier looking fishes, right, if I'm right? Uh, yeah, they're, they're kind of a pale, silver, or weird looking. The
0: mouth kind of down low. And yeah,
1: it, it's odd. i caught one of those fish with the eyes on the bottom? Carp the... You Asian? One of those? No, no, no. I oh. was asking Mike if you've ever seen them. you have got the eyes that are on the lower part of the head. Body, Silver
0: kind of carp a, or an Asian carp? Uh. No, you know
3: I,
2: I've caught a lot of carp as a as a kid, and uh, even shot some with a bow. Like, all uh, oh, right, yes, we've talked we've about talked
1: that. about, but but uh, those no. Yeah. Huh. All right. Well, um, it might be a good time to uh, wrap it up and ask Mike where we can find his books. Yes, uh, where will where will we find Firewood the various- Happens and Doct- What's the second one? The, the second it? one is called Down at Down the Dock. Down the Dock. Dock. Yeah. These are great books because they're short stories, uh, and you can you can either read it cover to cover, or you can just pick it up and
0: enjoy it a story at a time. And if you've got any experience in, in cabin ownership, cabin life, just enjoying the outdoors, man, it's, it's perfect reading. It's wonderful one, of the,
2: stuff. one of the fun things, the Star Tribune actually uh, reviewed the first book, Firewood Happens, back about a year ago. And the the reviewer from the from the Star Tribune uh, had a line in review that some people probably would take exception to, but it, it just nailed it. As far as I'm concerned, she said she loved the book because its lack of deep thoughts. <laughs> <laughs> and that's what this is, folks. It's a, it's they're fun books. They're meant to be relaxing. Uh, it, it's not Henry David Thoreau. It, right. It's not. I tell people it's not War and Peace. I'm not Tolstoy. So they're they're meant to be fun books that you can read a chapter at a time at the cabin on a rainy day, something like that. Uh, and and they're available. Uh, the easiest place to get to them is go to Amazon.com, Amazon.com of course, com. and just type in either my uh, name, which is uh, L E I N. By the right. way, there's a lot of people that spell it a different way, Mike Leon. or just the titles, Firewood Happens or Down at the, the dock. dock, and they'll they'll pop right up. They're they're widely available in the area up around the park rapids walker area and gift shops and things like that too and even some bookstores and stuff about any bookstore can order it if they don't have it on the shelf but, but uh, so there's multiple ways to get them or right. if you see me on the street i usually got one in my back pocket and a credit card <laughs> machine
1: <laughs> yeah <laughs> he's all set he's, he's ready, ready
0: to it. go i can set you up right now well it's a wonderful conversation i kind of feel like there's probably several more episodes that, that could happen you know like right now if we had plenty of time well he's
1: he's, he's welcome down here at the dock anytime absolutely on, on our cabin uh, here at cabin country yeah, nice chair <laughs> <laughs> he, he we pride ourselves comfortable our, for the, the accoutrements absolutely but uh, how do you want to want to walk us out on the first inaugural episode of Season 2 here? That's right. It's been an ex- extra special episode having Mike Lee here and uh, now we can say that uh, if anybody had any complaints about our level of expertise we can say, well, we know Mike Lee That's right. And we can double check We can always check things out. With and him. make references to him. That's so, right. uh, thanks for that. Uh, increasing our legitimacy here, Mike. And, uh, <laughs> no problem. So, uh, yeah, I think I've had about enough coffee for the night, so, uh, I'd say we'll wrap it up here, and let the screen door swing shut, and we'll get ready
0: for for the next the next round. Sounds good. Absolutely. Thanks for listening. We'll uh, catch you on Cabin Country next time. Thanks for listening tonight, and again, our thanks to Mike Leon for joining us. This uh, deep woods expertise. Thank you. Absolutely. Good night, everybody.